Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 355. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rickshaw. Hey, Kevin. Hey. This week on the show, we'll be taking a look at the upcoming horror film, The Lodge. We'll also be going over some of what we've been watching on the watch list, new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be super helpful. Just two, two housekeeping bits, maybe three. We got a new Ryan Watches movie dropping on Thursday, so that's very exciting. He wanted a uh, sick and twisted foreign horror movie, so we gave him uh, an Australian horror movie we never saw before. Mm-hmm. And on Wednesday, there's going to be a new Saved by the 90s coming out. It's the first part of our February show. We're, we're doing a new thing where we release two episodes per month now instead of just one. Each month is still going to carry the same theme. So with February, we're doing dark thrillers. And uh, the first part is going to drop on Wednesday. And we're going to talk about uh, Clive Barker's Nightbreed. And we're going to talk about John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness. Oh, that's a good movie. And we're going to talk that's about... a real good movie. Oh, yeah, it's a real good movie. Yeah, buddy. And we're going to talk it. about the TV series Millennium. Remember that show? Millennium? No. Nope. It was uh, by Chris Millennium. Carter. Millennium. Uh, okay. Really good show, One Lance Hendrickson. That's right. Yeah. You should have said Lance Hendrickson, so yeah. <laughs> and then I remembered. Yeah, really good. I also have a couple videos that I'm working on that should be dropping. At least I'm going to... I'm going to throw at least one of them out this week that one of them is a supplement for say by the nineties, where I take a look at the Nightbreed video games. There were actually two video games made, uh, based on Nightbreed, And yeah. And I took, took a look at those. Boy, are they bad? Boy, are they bad? So that should be coming out this week as well. Okay, I think we can jump into our review for this week. We're talking about The Lodge. This is directed by Severin Fiala and Veronica Franz. I have a synopsis here. A soon-to-be stepmom is snowed in with her fiancé's two children at a remote holiday village. Just as relations begin to thaw between the trio, some strange and frightening events take place. This is currently playing in limited release and it'll be uh going wide on friday we have a review for this up on the site blake wrote a review for us uh so kevin we'll start with you what did you think of the lodge like this one's a little little toughy it's a little toughy one oh yeah by the way by the way before before we get into it sorry to interrupt but we should be very careful with spoilers on this one so yeah, that's going to be a topic. Yeah. Try, try, try not to divulge more than what that synopsis says. Uh, so let's yeah. just speak very generally at the beginning. And I think for this one, we probably will want to talk about spoilers. So if, if that's the case, we will, we'll announce it and we'll put it at the very end of the show. Yeah. Uh, the first thought I, I thoroughly enjoyed the atmosphere of this movie, the look, like the cinematography, I thought was great about uh, the location of the, the lodge, the, you know, the getting snowed in and everything. I just, mm-hmm. I, I liked that. I liked all of that, the setting and everything. Um, again, it is a tough one because of the, you know, not spoiling this movie, but I will say that the 
what comes to light as to why these things are happening, I did. I really liked that because I was a little, I was a little worried of where this was going to go. And I thought that where it went was uh, somewhat original and it was, it was welcomed. It, you know, it kind of made it far more fucked up than what I thought it was originally planning to do. <laughs> yeah. It is a very fucked up movie. I was, I was getting some like major kind of hereditary vibes from it at first. I'm like, this feels a lot like, like an Ari Aster movie where it's got that kind of, it's kind of like that slow burn, lo-fi horror style where you have this sort of building dread that's, that's coming up. And uh, a friend of mine saw it this weekend and said that he felt like, the air got sucked out of the whole theater and no one could breathe while they were watching it. And I think that that's sort of a, an apt description where you just, you feel this sort of suffocating force while you're watching it as it, and it just keeps building and building. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that you say hereditary because I was kind of thinking the same thing. And it, it feels like a mixture of a lot of prior films. Like it has that uh, hereditary feel obviously because of the, the family thing going on, but then you also have the dollhouse because a lot of horror movies have dollhouses for some reason now. Yeah, that they always cut to. I don't know why, but I like that the whole thing. So you had that going on, and then it also had obviously it kind of has this like shining feel to it of them being snowed in in this you know big ass house out in the middle of nowhere where no one else is around. You know, so it has a lot of these things that feel pretty familiar. So that was the thing that kind of worried me in terms of like, okay, where are they actually going to go with this? Because a lot of it is like stuff is happening and you're not a hundred percent sure what's exactly happening because of course the stepmother to be has some emotional issues and oh boy is you can't be, she can't be trusted. You know, we don't know. We don't know what's going on in terms of the reality of what's happening here. Yeah, she had a, let's just say a very troubled past and she's on medication to get that under control. But Yeah, and she does she does some sleepwalking, maybe, we're not sure. You know, it kind of cuts in and out where, you know, there's days are spent where you're just, okay, this is the day and then nighttime, that's where things get a little sketchy because there's dream sequences, there's sleepwalking. And you're not 100% sure what's actually happening and what's not happening. So, again, there was, there was that worry of, like, okay, a lot of this is familiar. Is, is the reasoning, is the reveal going to be familiar, too? And I was happy that it pretty much wasn't. This is a movie that, and it's very rare. I, I watch, you know, if you listen to the show, if you look at the, the reviews that I write and stuff, I watch a lot of horror movies throughout the year. And it's very rare that a movie will make me jump when it's when it's like not like you know a cheap jump scare where a loud noise occurs and this movie made me jump twice even though i knew i knew what was going to happen i still jumped because to me like there's there's these two moments that were like just so shocking to me i was just like oh my god yeah. like and both times when I jumped, I literally like I audibly I don't remember what I said, but I said something like, 
oh my god or like jesus christ or something like that because there are a couple moments in this movie that like genuinely shocked me like to my core and that's very rare i did i enjoyed the creepy stuff i mean there are some things in this and i'm just kind of remembering now there are some stuff that uh really don't make sense they're just really kind of dumb the main one being the gun at the very very beginning where they're just like hey you know it's just a shot of a gun and you're like okay obviously that's going to be something and then you know the Totally Chekhov's gun. <laughs> yeah. And then you have, you know, Riley Keough and uh, Richard Armitage, where, like, they just had a little bit of a rough, rough morning with the ice skating. And he's just like, hey, let me show you something. And he's just like, here's a gun. And it's like, that's that's probably the worst. I Why? Why did you choose this moment to be like, here's a gun? This is in the house, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, why? It was a poor decision all around. <laughs> Uh, like you said, I loved the atmosphere. I loved the camera work. Now, this is the same duo that did Goodnight Mommy. And one of the highlights of that movie for me was the specifically the camera placement and how they framed shots. Uh, I really loved what they did in Goodnight Mommy. And that sort of carries over to this. There's some scenes yeah. in it that feel almost like, I don't want to say found footage because that's not, that's not accurate, but the the placement of the camera it almost feels like it's sort of like a mounted security camera or something like that where like the camera will be sort of like up in the corner of the room or something and you'll see like the people walking in and it it almost has that like voyeuristic look to it yeah and, and you, i you, i really liked that a lot and a good way of thinking about this is you have you know the like you said the director's behind goodnight mommy and then it's they picked up the the cinematographer that works a lot of times with Lance Demos and you know some of the Greek directors. So this is the guy that did the Killing of the Sacred Deer, the Lobster, Blind, the Capsule L. Totally see that in this. Yeah, the all the colors are really washed out. It it just looks fantastic. I, I was really really into the aesthetic of this. Just just all around. I love the look of the cabin. I love the weird items in the cabin, like that creepy painting. Yeah. I mean, like, what uh, a. Can you imagine? Uh, I mean, can you, can you imagine being uh, Riley Keough's character in this, Grace, like being put in that? Now, she, she, it was her suggestion to do this whole thing. So without giving too much away, these kids, they do not like her at all yeah. as a, their prospective new stepmom. So to go into this situation and I feel like they just, she needed to ease herself into their lives a little bit more before just jumping headlong into this thing because their dad, he was uh, Richard Armitage. He was going to be away for like a few days and she was going to take care of the kids and man, oof, I can't imagine being yeah. in that situation. No, it was a terrible idea. Absolutely terrible. Why? Why would you do this? Especially at Christmas time. <laughs> I know. And right, and right after their mother. Come on. Just yeah. a terrible decision. I feel like anything else, uh, discussing anything else would be a uh, complete spoiler. So I, I think, was there anything else like non-spoilery spoiler that you want to add? No, I don't think so. The, the only thing that, that pissed me off is as soon as the dog was introduced, I was like, God damn, you motherfuckers. Yeah. You knew. 
You fucking knew. Uh, as is customary with this podcast, anytime a dog dies, I feel a need to do a public service and and announce it. So there is a dog that dies in this in this movie, and it's it's pretty rough. Yeah, and they gotta keep doing the close up. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll put a spoiler discussion at the end of the show, but let's go ahead and give this a score now, Kevin. What are you thinking about uh, giving the lodge out of ten? I'm I'm sitting right now at like a seven. I'm right there with you. I'm at a I'm at a seven, maybe even a seven and a half. I saw this very late last night, so I'm still sort of processing it. Yeah. But right now I'm I, at like a a seven seven and a half. Yeah, because I'm I'm thinking it might go up. And I mean, like I said, I had some issues with it, but like the overall atmosphere and the way that it it kind of built that and compounded that dread throughout, mm-hmm. I think does it. You know. Yeah, overshadow any issues that I have with it, really. Super performances, too. I mean, especially Riley Kehoe. She had the most to work with as far as her character uh, and the complexity of her character. And I think she did a really great job of uh, managing that. And in one moment, she's a very sympathetic character. But at the same time, uh, she can also manage to be very menacing at the same time. So I think that she did a really great job with that role. And the kids, the kids did a great job too um the son was played by uh, Jaden martell who you probably remember from the it series the it yeah, movies he's popping up in everything yeah he was in uh, knives out too and the uh the girl was played by leah McHugh. uh okay let's talk about some more we're watching on our watch list uh for me this is a pretty brief week because the only stuff that i watched was uh some 90s 90s stuff for Saved by the 90s. So I don't have anything to add to a watch list this week, wow. unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. So it's an exclusive Kevin it's a, affair. It's a Kevin show. All right. Here we go. You can tune out now. Uh, I watched The Black Coat's Daughter from 2015, Oz Perkins. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know that was Anthony Perkins' son. I didn't either, actually. Yeah. Huh. Like, and I, when I watch this, and I'm like, Oz Perkins, I always hear this Oz Perkins dude. Who the fuck is Oz Perkins? Where did he come from? Of course he's related to somebody. That's how it works nowadays. But uh, Black Coat's Daughter is pretty good, pretty fucked up. Uh, it's a little bit thin. I shouldn't say a little bit thin. It's, it's really, really thin in terms of like the reasoning behind things, well, like what's actually going on, how this came to be. Uh, but like the actual visuals and like what happens, um, is pretty fantastic. It's just, it could have used a lot more in terms of, you know, narrative heft, but this all girls prep school, everyone goes home for the, for the holidays. These two kids stuck, their parents aren't coming. Uh, Kieran Shipka and Lucy Boyton, they're stuck there. They got to wait a couple extra days until their parents come and pick them up. And then there's two, um, like woman, uh, like, uh, keepers, whatever that look, at, look after the school and everything. And they kind of just watch over them, but they don't do that great of a job of watching over them. Uh, and what happens is Kieran Shipka gets, uh, possessed by the devil while they're waiting. And she, you know, she ends up doing what the devil tells her to do. 
which, uh, as you know, is never good things. But at the same time that this is happening, and it plays out very, you know, it's kind of a slow burn type deal. Uh, It's not that original in terms of what happens. As you know, the devil usually tells you to do one thing. And but at the same time as this is happening, you have the Emma Roberts uh, timeline happening. So it kind of cuts back between the two. And it turns out Emma Roberts is Kieran Shipka like later on in life. And she gets picked up by James Remar and his wife, like, you know, driving her to the next town or something. So then that plays out as well. It was an interesting ending. I did enjoy the ending, uh, like where they went with that. So it's it's like an eh. There's a lot of it that I enjoyed about it, but at the same time, it's just there's not a whole lot there. And it's just like a slow burn to really nothing, and especially in terms of like a, uh, you know, the devil possession type thing. It just feels like there's not a whole lot to do with it in that genre where no one's really doing anything fresh with it outside of like the devil tells you to kill people and they do. I saw this, uh, but I literally remember nothing, nothing. Yeah. About I it. I, I'm pretty sure that's going to be the case too. In a couple of years from I gave it a two on, on letterbox. So I guess I didn't like it, but I just, I don't remember anything about it. This was uh Karen and Shipka uh, pre chilling adventures of Sabrina, which is actually a pretty damn good show on Netflix, by the way. Huh. Yeah. And I mean, this is, it's brutal. It's a brutal movie. They got some, you know, brutal violence in there. Cause the, the devil usually makes you kill people in messy ways. He's never a poisoning guy. He's mm-hmm. never like, let's poison people. He's got to make a show of it. But again, it's like, that's kind of the thing. Like why, why, if you're going to do the devil possession movies, like, why is that it? Like, why not try something besides, oh, the devil's going to make me kill people? Yeah. Uh, Oz Perkins recently directed the Gretel and Hansel movie that's in theaters right now, which I haven't yeah. seen yet, but I, I do want to see that. And looking at his picture, man, he looks just like Anthony Perkins. If I, mm-hmm. if I, saw, this dude's, if I saw this dude's picture, I'd be like, oh, well, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, it, it made a lot of sense. A lot of sense when I did that Google search. Uh, and then two movies here. The Michelle Simon movies. So first is I watched Panic from 1946. This is directed by Julian DeVivier. And this movie is fantastic. This is a this is an all-timer for me. It's a good, timeless classic. Really good in terms of it pretty much looks at like mob mentality. So Simon plays uh, this guy. He's living in a small French town. Carnival comes in town and, uh, every, you know, everyone's a bunch of gossips and everything. And at the very beginning, they find this dead woman and they're trying to figure out, you know, who killed this woman. You know, it's a pretty small town, everything. Pretty early on, you know who killed her, you know. And it, Simone's the guy. He kind of has information and he kind of uses it to, like, blackmail people, especially the, the killer's girlfriend because and this is this is the fatal flaw that he makes is that he falls in love with her and he's like yeah i'm gonna get her to marry me because i have the info about him killing this woman 
Like, that's going to fucking work, dude. Come on. So, uh, you know, that this all plays out. And what they end up doing is getting the whole town kind of riled up about this guy because no one kind of really likes him to begin with because he kind of keeps to himself. He doesn't really talk to people. Everyone kind of thinks he's a little bit weird. He's a bit of an oddball. He doesn't really fit in. Doesn't associate or, you know, socialize with anybody. So they kind of get this fever built up in the town that he's the one that killed that woman because it's got to be him because he, he doesn't doesn't associate with anybody in the town. He's a weirdo. He's an oddball. So they get all whipped up into a frenzy and they decide they're going to take it, care of this. They're going to take it into their own hands. They go into his, his room and just kind of pack up all the shit and throw it out and they find a piece of evidence that was planted there that, that makes him the killer. And then there's this huge... Uh, this kind of the grand finale of him coming back into the town and like the entire town just fucking attacking him and he kind of runs off and it's just uh it's pretty fantastic pretty incredible and it's uh absolutely uh devastating because he's such a nice guy he's just kind of misunderstood you know he just he doesn't want to associate with people not anything personal just a nice dude except for when he's trying to blackmail a woman into Mm, that's panic panic definitely watch that so watching that movie i was like hey i like this guy this actor so i'm gonna watch another movie with his called le poison from 1951 um weird thing though is last movie is 1946 this movie 1951 the same guy uh he looks decades older it's weird (laughs) it's only five years but man i don't know what happened in those five years but something a whole lot of life happened and he looks uh he looks a bit rough and poison and poison is an absolute shit show of filmmaking just fucking terrible just goddamn bland as can be ridiculous like absolutely no flavor no flair no nothing just people talking fucking awful uh like the, the actual script script's pretty good. The performances are pretty great. Uh, but the other thing is, is, like, it's a pretty fucked up movie in terms of he plays a guy that's married, hates his marriage, hates his wife, wants to kill her. She also wants to kill him because they just hate each other. Can't stand it anymore. So she buys some rat poison. She's going to do it. She's just got to, you know, build up the, the courage to do it. And then also she kind of gets sidetracked because she gets drunk all the time. She mostly just wants to drink and be left alone. So completely understandable. And he always gives her a hard time for it. So what ends up happening is he hears a radio interview with this guy that's acquitted all these murderers. And he's like, I'm the best. I can quit anybody. I'm the best lawyer in goddamn town. So he's like, okay. So he goes to the lawyer's office and he's like, yeah, I killed my wife. He hasn't done it yet, but the lawyer doesn't know so the lawyer kind of like walks him through like what he should do. So he ends up using that like as his blueprint and kind of trapping this lawyer into taking on his case because then he goes home and kills his wife. But the messed up thing about this movie is that he kills his wife and everyone's like, oh, this is kind of good, though, for our small town. We'll start getting tourists, travelers coming in, which they do, and they're really happy about it. And then the the trial, this ridiculous courtroom trial, is just him saying whatever he wants to say. And mostly what it is, is 
him and the rest of the town just discussing how ugly his wife was and that no one in their right mind could would or could ever have sex with her. Like everyone. <laughs> just like she's fight and he even like pulls out a picture and he's like, Here, I brought I brought proof. Here's a picture of her from a year ago. And like hands around everybody and everyone's kinda of like, Whoa, whoa, see what he's saying. And it's just like, what the fuck is going on here? This is so ridiculous. And then he ends up getting acquitted for I don't know how. I don't know why. They really don't show you or explain how he gets off. But he gets acquitted, comes back to town, and everyone's super happy. Everyone's like, oh, God, yes, he's back. We love it. Everything worked out for the best. And it's just like this poor fucking woman. What the fuck? Doesn't sound great. No, it's awful. I mean, really, the performances between uh, Michelle Simone and uh, Jean Dipacour, who plays the, the lawyer, they have some like back and forth when they sit down and they kind of do their little semantics timing thing. They make it watchable. Everything else is just fucking terrible. And that's all I got. That's it. Oh, all right. And that is poison from 1951. Both of those, those, both of those two movies were uh, criterion channel, by the way. All right. If you have criterion channel, you can check them out on there. All right. Let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. We got downhill coming out. This is the mm-hmm. uh, Force Majeure remake. Now, now, normally, I'd be like, no, no, no. I don't want anything to do with this. Because I loved Force Majeure. I thought it was incredible. And I don't think it's necessary to have a remake of this. But, you know, it's got Will Ferrell. And it's got Julia Louis-Dreyfus in it. So, that's that's pretty good. The directors, you got Nat Faction in there. And Jim Rash. So yeah. you got a talented bunch behind this one. Mm-hmm. Which has me well, slightly into it. You're you're we'll it's a hard no for you. We'll see. Uh, no, I didn't even like Force Majeure. Really? I thought you did. Yeah. No. Well, huh. let me double check. Because what it watch well, that's probably one of those things where I'm like, I did not like that movie. And then you look it up and it's four stars. I thought you did. I'm pretty. I know we we did review it on the site. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, on three the show. Stars. Three stars. I gave it three stars. Okay, so you, it's, it's seems uh, to me like a three stars yeah, like. It's a it's a it's a light, very light like. For me, it's like three yeah. three and a half is yeah. I liked it. Four or well, yeah, three three and a half. I liked it. Four. I liked it a lot. Four and a half. Five. Loved it. Well, a three for me could be, I don't really like it, but, you know, in terms of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah. Hey, who knows? I don't know. I don't fucking remember that movie. I remember you got Ugly Crying. I liked the Ugly Crying. Yeah, I hope they do that in the movie. You have to. I'm, I'm wondering <laughs> if it's going to have the sort of, I, I think it will, have like sort of the serious undertones that the original one had. Yeah, I don't know. Because it's a comedy, but at the same time, it's it gets pretty serious. Yeah. But it, I, I imagine with those people involved, it's going to lean more comedic. Because if you go the, if you keep the serious route, it's kind of like, why? Why do it? It's just going to be the same thing again. Right. But who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. We got Fantasy Island coming out. This is the Blumhouse horror version of uh, the 
TV show. Yeah, I didn't know this was a thing, really. Um, slightly, slightly into this. I don't know if I'll go see it or not, but yeah. we got the photograph coming out. What is uh-huh. the, what is the photograph? I forget what that is. That's the the, the Keith. Oh yeah, 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 field. yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh, we got Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh yeah, that's the biggie. Fin- finally coming out. You know, I gotta say, there was uh, maybe, maybe it was the latest trailer, but there was like one or two little jokes in there that made me chuckle a little bit. I'm not gonna go see it, but I will say that the fact that they redesigned Sonic and he looks—I will give them credit—it looks much better now. Like, he, he, yeah, he actually looks like Sonic. Yeah, now. like the whole movie. Yeah. I mean, re- redoing the Sonic look makes the whole movie look better to me. Well, yeah. I mean, it didn't make sense in the beginning to be like, this is our Sonic. And it's like, well, it looks nothing like him. So why? Yeah. Like I I might actually, I'm not going to go see it in the theater to be very clear, but I will probably see it before the end of the year. Like whenever it hits VOD, I'll, I'll watch it. Uh, what about love also comes out. It's another one that I kind of forget what, what, I don't know what that is either. I don't even know if I ever heard of that. I, I haven't. Two young people, somewhat wary of love, spend a summer night together in Europe making a film about people's attitude towards love. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know. In limited release, we have After Midnight. This is the uh, Jeremy Gardner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This one I'd recommend. This is sort of a like a lo-fi, slow-burn horror movie. Quite good. Not not exactly what I expected. It's it's a little bit of a little bit of a genre bender. This one. Incorporates, incorporates a lot of things. There's a lot of comedy. It's sort of a romance story too. It's about a, a relation, a crumbling relationship, but it, it also includes some uh, creature elements as well. Oh. This is this is actually produced by um, Benson and Moorhead. No, oh, okay. Yeah, definitely worth a look. Uh, also, in li- limited release, we have Brown Paper Bag, Buffaloed. Buffaloed's a comedy with uh, Zoe Deutsch. Looks. Looks all right. Camp Coldbrook, Come As You Are, Enter the Fat Dragon, First Lady, I Wish I Knew, uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, getting a limited release. I don't understand that release schedule for that movie. I thought that came out last year, but yeah, apparently not. VFW is getting a limited release. Uh, that's pretty much it for theaters. Let's take a look at Blu-ray. On the 11th, we have Transcending Gender. I believe that is a... Is that a documentary? I think it is a documentary. Oh, no, it's all... Sorry, it's called In Full Bloom, Transcending Gender. That's the full title. We got Alien Outbreak. It's, uh, the deadliest plague has come from above. Ooh. There you go. Alien Invasion. We got Cupid, horror movie. About... A really funny looking Cupid thing that probably kills people. Yeah. Uh, on the 12th, we have To All the Boys, P.S. I Still Love You. It's on Netflix. That's the mm-hmm. uh, sequel. Yeah. Uh, on the 14th, we have A Simple Wedding. We got Olympic Dreams. That's the rom com with Nick Kroll and Alexi Pappas, which is a really weird matchup and i believe the film was written co-written by nick kroll and alexi pappas and it was shot during the olympics 
at like at the Olympic Village. Oh, okay. Yeah. It seems like kind yeah, of kind I, of a yeah. cool idea. Uh, we also have sadistic intentions. This looks like maybe some kind of horror horror comedy or something. We got the staggering girl on Booby. That's on the fifteenth. Now the staggering girl is the new one from uh, the dude. The dude that did uh, "Call Me by Your Name." Yeah, the the Luca guy. Yeah, yeah, Luca, right. Yeah, are you interested in this? Reason I can. Uh, sure. I mean, it's going to be on movie. So if you're if you subscribe to movie, it'll be on there. Yeah, that's going to be one of those that uh, when when I get around to it, it'll be gone. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure it's like a limited time thing, as as is customary for that uh, service. VFW is also coming out. I forgot to mention that, and that'll be on the 14th as well. And VFW is the new one from Joe Bagos. Oh, okay. Which is weird. Like, I knew that was coming out soon, but I actually had to, like, I, I didn't get any kind of, like, correspondence about that at all. So I was totally unaware that it was coming out this Friday. I, and I had to, like, look it up to confirm. But I'm I'm very interested in VFW. You got... The Wild Bunch meets Night of the Living Dead. The film follows Fred and his military buddies as they must defend their local VFW and an innocent teen against a deranged drug dealer and his relentless army of punk mutants. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, George Went in there again? <laughs> yep. George Went. And Fred Williamson. Yep. Oh. What? Stephen Lang, William Sadler in there too. Martin Cove. I'm all about this. I'm I'm liking I'm liking what Bagos is is throwing at me these days. Uh, that's pretty much it for VOD. Let's see what we got going on on Blu-ray. Uh, this is for Tuesday, February 11th. We got My Bloody Valentine from 1981. This is a remastered collector's edition. I'm I'm quite interested in this this version. Shutter Island is getting a 4K release. Ford v Ferrari is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> can you believe that got nominated for all those Oscars I, it just makes me laugh anytime I hear that that title so ridiculous uh, we got First Love this is the Takeshi Miike one that uh, I was a pretty big fan of this one pretty big fan got Hudson Hawk is coming out on one of those like weird VHS looking things where they make the blu-ray case look like a VHS case I don't know about that collection got the devil from 1981 that looks like a vinegar syndrome when a stranger calls from 1979 that's also getting one of those VHS things Robocop from Mm -hmm. 1987 is coming out that's the arrow version but I believe that that is like sort of the regular blu-ray and not the box set that came out earlier greener grass is coming out i would highly recommend that if you haven't seen it yet in fabric that's the peter strickland one i don't know did i talk i don't think i talked about that on the show Uh, i thought it was okay but uh i was a little bit disappointed in how it was structured it's it's got this really strange structure to it where like when you see the trailer it looks like there's like a main protagonist right and but it completely changes halfway through the movie and there's a perspective shift and it's almost like it's two short films that are just stuck together. And I had a really big problem with that. Hmm. It's a really big letdown, but overall the movie 
I mean, obviously, it's just with Peter Strickland, like stylistically, it's pretty incredible. There's a Rambo collection that's coming out that has all of the Rambo movies. If you're into Rambo, I'd say that one's probably safe to get because I really doubt that there's going to be another one. Yeah. Uh, there's another, there's a John Wick collection coming out as well that has chapters one through three. That one I would hold off on because I can almost guarantee there's going to be another John Wick coming out. You got the wave that was, that just came out a couple weeks ago and that's pretty much it. What about Criterion's this week? Oh, we got Roma. Uh Oh yeah. The Netflix movie jumping out there on the Criterion. You're going to get, uh, looks like like three, four maybe new documentaries, five. I don't know. There's a whole bunch of new documentaries on here. Make another film. And then uh, behind the scene footage. Uh, and then there's a documentary with like the cast and the producers and stuff. And then there's a documentary about the film sound and post-production processes. And then uh, a documentary about the theatrical campaign. So it seems like there's a documentary uh, for every facet of this movie. That's what I like to hear. If you want to win a copy of Roma, we're giving away a copy as our February giveaway. So Mm -hmm. there'll be Mm -hmm. a link in the description of, uh, in the show notes for this, this episode. And you can go to our site, filmpulse.net and sign up to win a copy. We, we don't use your email for anything, but the contest. So we're not going to be using it for marketing purposes or any of that bullshit. You're not going to blast them? Email blast? No, no, no email blast. We do have a newsletter, though. You can sign up for a newsletter, which is once a month. Blast them with the MailChimp? Is that what it is? We do use MailChimp for our newsletter, yeah. Is that what that is? It's a great service. It's a great service. Uh, All right. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider giving us a review on your podcast platform of choice. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. Okay, let's talk about some spoilers. Let's get the the spoilers going. Let's talk about these spoilers. Uh, Did you... I mean, I didn't see... I, I really didn't... I really didn't know where this was going. Uh, if there was like a, cause I went into it completely cold. Like I had no idea what I knew the basic premise. I knew that it was about a family stuck in a cabin, but I didn't know if there was like a supernatural element or not. Yeah. And they, they play that up. And that was the thing that I was worried about because the way that they're playing it at the beginning, it seems like, seems like the mother, you know, like the spirit of the mother. Right. Yeah. Is doing all these things and you're like, are they gonna try and be like the spirit of the mothers like in this doll? Like that, I really hope that's not what they do here, because that's fucking weird. I was also and kind of hoping good way. Yeah, I was also kind of hoping that it wasn't gonna be your standard haunted house movie. Now, if if you've seen Goodnight Mommy, you'll know that it that that's sort of the same where you're not quite sure what's going on here if there is a supernatural element involved or not and you know at the beginning of the movie when so you have alicia silverstone in there as the mom and she kills herself 
at the beginning of the movie. And to me, that was just that's that whole scene was so shocking. I was just blown away by that scene. I was like, what the what the hell? Yeah, that was a little bit rough because I I didn't know that she was in this movie. So when she shows up at the beginning, I'm like, oh, Alicia Silverstone's in this, too. Oh, cool. I'm like, wait, how's that work with Riley? I thought it was Riley Kehoe, though. And then, you know, they answered that for me. That was the first scene that I, when I mentioned it, that made me give me a jump scare. <laughs> yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere. I was not expecting I was, that. I was so shocked by it. the the other scene was when uh, when Grace shot the dad. Like I knew that yeah. was going to happen. Like you, like you, by that yeah. point, like you're pretty sure it's going to happen. Uh, but I still jumped. I still jumped because it was just just so and i also love the way in which they set that up is how they do a hard cut to him back at the the house like back in the city like right at the point where she's kind of lost it completely and you know something terrible is going to happen so they hard cut to him like wrapping things up and coming back and you're like okay he's going to come back and then you know something's going to happen and you know he gets back for what a minute and then shot in the face yeah she's like oh okay she's not helping so to no. to break it to break it down basically what happens is the the two kids they hate this woman because they they blame her for the death of her mother of their, their mother and they decide to pull what may be the most uh, diabolical, horrible prank on her, and try to convince her that they're all dead and that they all died, and yeah. they end up taking all of the objects out of the house. They take all the f- or they hide all the food, the their their coats, their things, including her medicine, and they they hide it all in the basement. And they then try to and also. How did they make those flyers? I don't know. It's like, <laughs> they, they, yeah, that's they what I mean. Snuck there's, off, some, there's some, yeah, there's some stuff that like doesn't work. They snuck off the like Kinkos the over, or something. <laughs> yeah, it's like the overall thing. I was like, okay. I mean, but, but he might have had them made up beforehand. I was, I was just he was gonna say, was like, do you want? He's like, do you want me to get the gas heater? Yeah, I, I guess, I guess, uh, it's possible that he made them up before. But they looked very professional. Like, yeah, he it, must. It was, he must yeah. have hired somebody no, on like design these, crowd to do it. These kids knew what they were doing. I mean, they did pretty fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous, but I was so happy because there was a point where I'm like, you know, like once it got closer towards the end, I was like, I really hope they go the, I hope they go all in it. These kids are fucked up and they're awful. Cause you know, you're kind of thinking good night, mommy. And, you're like, I'm pretty sure these two directors hate kids. So yeah, I hope they do it again. And they, and they did, did it again. It. And I was very happy. <laughs> <laughs> they did it. These kids are pretty fucked up. Uh, so they successfully, I mean, due to the fact that she didn't have her medication and to, to talk about the character of Grace a little bit, she was raised in this crazy religious cult that, they committed a mass suicide and she was the only survivor. This was when she was like 12. So that's why she's all messed up in the head and requires. 
what I would elaborate perfect storm. Yeah. And and see the, the that that's why the, it's so diabolical because the kids knew that. They did the research on her and they figured out that 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 was like her traumatic past and they exploited yeah. that to make her go crazy. And, and I mean she, they got they pulled, they lifted audio from like her father's sermons and had that piping throughout the house. Like these kids are fucking awful. Yeah. Which which actually now that I think about it leads me to believe that there's no way that they planned this before. I mean, sorry, there's no way they planned this after they got to the lodge. So they probably did make up the flyers beforehand and bring they them. Were, they did so much work. Yeah. There's, there's just no way that they planned that in such a short amount of time. Cause it, it was very elaborate. And the, the, the fact that they like took her, what I would assume is like some sort of antipsychotic medication and, and, oh, and then they killed the dog too. Like that yeah, seemed like it was an accident, but at the same time, I'm like, who leaves the front door open when you're at a place like that? <laughs> Not only when you're at a place like that, but it, 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 it appeared as though they got like about a foot of snow. Mm-hmm. So come on, come the fuck on. So I question if that was even an accident, but goddamn kid. <laughs> so. Uh yeah, so it it's it's pretty twisted, but the, the and it's great. It's also great though that it backfires on them. Like they took it just a bit. To, they were successful, you know. Bravo for you guys, pat you on the back. But you were too successful, and now you're all fucking dead. Mm-hmm. So congrats. Yeah, so she completely cracks her. Her reality is just completely broken, and she thinks, oh yeah, also. One other thing that they do to just really hammer it home is the the son Aiden pretends to hang himself and prove that they're actually dead. Mm-hmm. And I and it and it, I was con, I was starting to think that at first too. I'm like, okay, well maybe they are dead. I thought it was weird that like he immediately went to the fact, oh, we're dead. <laughs> but then I was starting to think like, okay, maybe they are dead. Like maybe that is what's going on here. Yeah, but no, he he pulled a fast one on her, and she yeah completely that, lost it. And that's where it backfires because these two kids are they're Christian kids, and they were worried about their mother not making it to heaven because she committed suicide. And that's where they're, they're that's their fatal flaw here. They're like, oh, you know, we have to repent our sins because we're stuck in purgatory. Well, you don't do that to a woman that was raised in a ridiculous cult because she is going to outdo you in that little you know escapade she's, yeah, gonna, she's gonna be deadly serious about yeah. and you guys are just like oh we just gotta pray a little bit yeah you don't pray like she does right she she prays with like burning hot logs on her knees yeah and you, you know like when that when that switch just gets flipped in her Cause she's reluctant at first. She's like, no, that's, that's not it. But she's already starting to lose it by that point. Like by the time they say we're dead, uh, she's already starting to, to crack and yeah. eventually, but man, she's she... also, but she's also like, no, that doesn't make sense. And then right. he does the hanging thing, which it looks like he's home. No, mm-hmm. she's like, oh shit. Okay. I got to get right with God. So, you know, we're going to have to do some serious work. We got to make up a lot of time here, you know? Got to do a lot of penance. 
and they just they weren't ready for it. And they, you know, they steal, they take everything, all the possessions, but they don't take the gun, which is also really fucking dumb. You dumb kids. At, yeah, at you're first, really smart, but you're also really fucking dumb. At first, I was like, oh, well, maybe they didn't know about the gun. But then there was that one scene when she was like sleepwalking and she kind of woke up and she was holding the gun. So they had to yeah. know about the gun. Yeah. But even no. when they're sitting there at the very end, it's like she's not about to just grab the gun. What are you doing? Also, just going back oh. to what, what you were saying in the the non-spoiler section this guy what an idiot i mean even if you uh, you thought that she was stable and you know got had control of her life like take the gun out of the equation you know jeez yeah he's fucking dumb and he's also just really i mean he's really stupid in a lot of ways because even you know they had no phones, but the kids could talk to him. And you wouldn't think it's weird, like, wow, I can't talk to the woman that I'm going to marry in like a month or so. I haven't talked to her at all. Even when you're talking to your kids, be like, hey, can you put Grace on the phone? Right. No. Like, come on. Fucking he got shot in the face, though. He did. What so. did you think about? So the movie ends with her having the kids at the table. And there's like soup in front of them and she puts duct tape over their mouths. It says sin on it. And she has the dead dad sitting at the table too. And then the movie just, just ends there. What did you, how did you think about that? uh, That ending? I enjoyed it because it's, it's, it's weird. It's, it's a weird ending that I love in terms of, you know, the kids turn out to be the bad guys and Grace is also kind of, not really a hero, but she ends up winning in the end in a really perverse way. Mm-hmm. Considering what was, you know, what, what her reality is. And, yeah. uh, you know, those fucking kids, <laughs> you, you tried to play, you know, you tried to play the, the crazy Christian card and, uh, you weren't prepared. They, they, they learned a valuable life lesson, you know, as a kid. They did, although I don't. They did, although I don't know if they're going to be able to take that lesson very far in their lives. Something, no, something no. tells me they're not going to last too much longer beyond that scene where it ends. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they, they learned a valuable lesson before their death. Don't you don't fuck with that, you know, that uh, that radical, that radical religious. You can't you can't do it. You can't play with that. You can't play with that type of fire, kids. Yeah, did def- you? Definitely not. Um, with sometimes with movies that end like mid scene like that, uh, it doesn't necessarily work. But I think that it worked pretty well in in this case. I I, I think that uh, it was it was a pretty effective way to end the movie because you're just like, whoa, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I enjoyed that. So yeah, that's the lodge. Go check it out. 